news on Punch Radio with Jody, Brennan, and Hank. Today we are continuing our deep delve into Batman soundtracks, and uh, we're going to tune in with Craig and Hank, and they are going to uh, let you have an earful about theater etiquette. They had some bad experiences recently, and if time permits, I'm going to give you the scoop on a couple really great comics. So without further ado, take it away, Brennan. So last week we had part one of our deep dive expose on Batman soundtracks. Today is part two, where we'll be talking about some of the more contemporary soundtracks and uh, what is in store musically with Batman. So last time we started with the 1960s with the Neil Hefty soundtrack. So we did a bit of na na naing and head bobbing. And that took us up to Tim Burton in the 80s with some Prince and some Danny Elfman. And now this takes us to 1995. Batman Forever. And ever. And ever with the iconic Val Kilmer. Everyone's favorite Batman, I'm sure. <laughs> With Batman Forever, music from the motion picture, uh, released in 1995. And there were two soundtracks, much like the uh, Prince and Danny Elfman one. The first one that came out uh, was a combination of artists and pop songs from that era. The notable songs that you probably know. U2 had the big single, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me. This was when they were in the midst of their Zeropo tour and were taking over the world. And Kiss from a Rose. Oh, yes. All the size. Do you want to know a fun fact about that uh, music video? Uh, what is that? That Seal does not wear a white billowing shirt. He actually just wears a long trench coat with no shirt. Ooh. That was a point of contention yeah. before the show. Yeah. So was. There, there, there's glad a we, fun fact. So, uh, so, so, so the memory I've got is all wrong. I don't know where that came from. Uh, so Seal, it was a huge, huge hit from him. Um, in the next year, 1996, he won three Grammys, one for Record of the Year, one for Song of the Year, and one for Best Male Pop Performance. I purposely did not pick that song because I had enough of it back in the 90s. The nice thing with this soundtrack is that it's a really great snapshot of what the music industry was like in the mid-90s. So in 1995, this is what was happening. So we have our big songs, like we have our U2, we have Seal, but we also have PJ Harvey, and we have Mazzy Starr. We have The Offspring, that was a big band at the time, doing a cover of The Dam, doing Smash It Up. We have Nick Cave, that was a big alternative celebrity, right, um, now being on this album. We have Michael Hutchinson from In Excess doing a really terrible cover Ooh, of The Passenger by Iggy Pop. Bad. That yeah. is the one point of the album that we shouldn't talk about because it was not good. If you took the Batman Forever soundtrack and just relabeled it with like Big Shiny Tunes 1995... <laughs> or the greatest hits in 1995, it's a really good snapshot of music at that time. So if you want to check out a good overall soundtrack, that industrial kind of sound, go check it out. At the same time, two weeks after that soundtrack, we had Batman Forever, the original motion picture soundtrack. Um, This was composed by Elliot Goldenthal, who would also go on to do the Batman and Robin soundtrack. The main theme is very clear, very distinct, with these longer kind of held notes. Originally, there was over two hours of music, but they cut the soundtrack down to 45 minutes. In 2012, La La Land Records released the expansive version. So if you want all the music, it is out there. On YouTube, because YouTube has great comments that are always true, one reviewer said that the album was, quote-unquote, too flamboyant and gets on your nerves. (laughs) Love it. Overall, it's it's actually, again, a better soundtrack than I remember. Do you want to listen to the whole thing front and back? Probably not. Probably not, but it's a good listen overall. I would only do it if you told me to. So There we go. When I have my next uh, Batman listening party, we'll make sure we do it then. Okay. And then 1997 has everyone's favorite Batman movie, 
Batman and Robin. Robin. Yes. I can tell now everyone's listening in and excited. Um, kind of the original soundtrack was again Elliot Goldenfold. Again, sweeping themes, these, this big, huge orchestration. This one is bigger and even more bombastic than I remember, this big kind of wall of sound. Is it better than any of the other ones? Not necessarily. Uh, and my, to my ears, it's a bit less nuanced, a bit more repetitive. It's surprisingly dark. That same year, we had the Batman and Robin music from and inspired by Batman and Robin, the motion picture, which I think is one of the longest titles for a soundtrack I've ever heard. 1998, the soundtrack was actually quite well-received, even though the movie was not. Uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, The End is the Beginning, won a 1998 Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. It had three top 10 hits. It's a good compilation, but it sounds like the late 90s. The soundtrack is a bit muddled. It's not as clear. It's not as distinct as the 95 one. And that was kind of music at that time. We're not sure if we like our alternative things anymore. We're, we're kind of wavering between pop and industrial and and rock and it's reflected in that soundtrack yeah college rock convocated and wasn't sure where they were gonna go exactly right where where do we go from here do i become an accountant who knows skip ahead now to the year 2005 for batman begins and this is when we start to have a really renaissance with the batman soundtracks uh, composed by Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard. This was the first one they did together, and it was an amalgamation of orchestration and electronic music. They really spent a lot of time in detail to have the music fit with the scenes in the movie. Chris, Christopher Nolan was very concerned about making it more of a practical movie and giving it a different tone, and the soundtrack really fits with it. Um, it's a good listen front to back. It was really well-received. And they did a couple little fun trivia things. All the songs are named after different types of bats. Ooh, do tell. Um, and if you read tracks four to nine and take the first letter of each name of each bat, it's uh, an acrostic poem, which spells Batman. Since when were there that many types of bats? <laughs> there were so many. There were so many, Hank. Apparently, I just thought there was Batman and bats. Yeah. Okay, I want to hear you flex out your zoology Give us yeah. the acrostic poem. I want you to do your best to struggle through the list. Okay, so remember this because this will be a trivia question, I'm sure. Um, so track four is Barbastella. Track five is Artebius. Track six is Tatarita. Track seven is Macrotus. Number eight is Antrozus. And track nine is... Nycterus? Nycterus? I buy it. If there's any bat specialist, please call in and <laughs> correct my pronunciation. So it, it was good. Good, uh, you know, good solid soundtrack overall. But this takes us to the next one, The Dark Knight, which is probably my favorite out of all of them. It's good. For different reasons. Now, The Mask of the Phantasm is my favorite one to listen to. But this one, as far as experience, is like one of the strongest movie soundtracks uh, I've ever heard, in my opinion. What I like, sorry, uh, 2008, Hans Zimmer, James Newton Howard again. What's so interesting with this one is that you could distill the entire album down to like a two-note motif. Um, this dichotomy between what's good and what's bad, right? Good and evil. Um, am I crazy? Am I sane? And they use that and elevate it as a theme throughout the entire album. It's the very first track is The Joker, Why So Serious? which is based on two notes being played by an electric cello with solo violin, guitars, and a string section. Um, this, is a, this is the album that you want to put on to sit in your living room or your, or your room, your music listening area, and just let it 
let it run with you. Um, in the iTunes review, they said file under uneasy listening. So, I mean, for a lot of music fans, this might be something that is a little bit too edgy and pushy and contemporary. But for me, it's a really, if, if you're at all interested in contemporary classical music, this is a great place to start just because it does a really great job of combining elevated, contemporary, ambient, I'll go so far as say pretentious music in a more palatable type way. I so, think in general, is... most score isn't given the credit that it deserves. Like mm -hmm. they're, it's more than just moving the, the plot along. Um, they stand alone on their own as like really good crafts of art. Mm -hmm. And this is your favorite one? Out of all of them, I think this is my absolute favorite one as an experience. And again, Mask of the Phantasm is my favorite listening one just to put on and, and listen to. So different experiences. And then there's The Dark Knight Rises. Good soundtrack, but after The Dark Knight, it's it's like you just made Abbey Road. What do you do after that? <laughs> Fair enough. Classic. So, yeah. And then there was Batman versus Superman, but I count that as Justice League. So it doesn't count as a Batman. Uh-uh. No. And that could be mm -hmm. another conversation. We still have like the Arkham Asylum video games and, and that type of thing. But There's a lot um, of Bat music. There is. There is a lot. So I, I, I stuck just with the soundtracks. But uh, there you go. If you're at all interested, go, go check them out. They're, they're just good listening experiences. You know what would be great is if you could do a panel somewhere about it so you could spend more time and play more of the music. You should look into that. I, you know, interesting enough, I oh. may have put in an application for SAS Expo Ooh. to do a panel on this very subject. So no I way. Have, I have, believe it That sounds it or not. like fun. I'd it, go to that. It is. So I hope so because I put both of your names down nice. as part of my panel. So <laughs> well, now, now, who isn't going to go to that? Exactly. Right? If we get accepted, I will let you know. Okay. It sells itself. Well, thank you for doing all that research um, because it's really interesting. And I think, again, it's another facet of something that we all love. Um, everybody knows Batman, but sometimes those little elements that make up um, all the things that we love, the movies, you forget. And uh, it's nice to give them the respect that they deserve. So thanks for doing all that research. That was super groovy. Okay, um, we're going to uh, now turn things over to Craig and Hank um, because they are sad about the sad state. and mad. Yeah, the state mad. of theater etiquette needs an overhaul. So here's uh, their tirade. Thanks, Jody. It's Craig Siliphant and Hank Cruz here at Craig Siliphant on social media and at Hank and Kelso. And uh, we, we had a bunch of stuff we were going to talk about today uh, about certain movies and television shows and books and things like that. But uh, Hank had an interesting, well, I say interesting, but more like infuriating uh, time at the movies the other day. And so we wanted to actually spend a few minutes ranting nonsensically about theater etiquette. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually, we're going to start with Hank telling us this story. So what, Maybe, what happened to you, man? Are you okay? I am not okay. Maybe we should actually spend 10 minutes talking about how people should breathe properly to calm down. Yeah. Maybe we should do that because I'm angry. So the, uh, the movie, The Kitchen, The right. Kitchen came out. So I decided without looking at any reviews that I was going to go check out The Kitchen because it's based on a comic book. It's a cool story. So I'm like, hey, going to go check this out. So walk into the theater with, uh, with my buddy Mike and uh, I make a joke because I look at who's in the theater and went, I bet everybody here thinks it's going to be a comedy because Tiffany Haddish and Melissa McCarthy right. are in it. 
but just know you're in the wrong movie. <laughs> right, it's about like gangsters' wives or something, Yes, right? it's like, a serious movie, yeah. and as it turns out, quite violent. It's a very violent movie. Um, so the movie starts. Uh, some people filed in afterwards uh, who uh, this movie brought out uh, theater noobs, uh, and right. I'm sure you know because you know the type of movie. It's like, well, this is your one movie a year. Yeah. They've come out to see it. And they can't find their seats, of course. So there's lots of standing in front of us and talking and laughing and finding their seats. Um, scroll ahead to uh, a phone rings uh, beside me. And uh, actually, sorry, beside Mike. And uh, the phone rings. The The person actually answers the phone during the movie and has a conversation um, at full normal volume. Hello? Uh, hello? Yeah, Mildred? You know, yeah, I'm just in a movie. What do you need? Were you there? <laughs> no, you were there. Okay. That happened. And so that was happening. And then during the movie... Uh, there was uh, a very, uh, I would say, borderline gruesome scene where they had killed this guy, put him in a bathtub, and now uh, Elizabeth Moss, uh, her character, was being shown how by this gangster guy how to use basically a kitchen knife to carve this body up because they were going to go dump it in the river. So they start carving this body up, and it's quite an intense scene out of the probably the only intense scene in the movie because the movie was horrible. But these people, they start laughing, right? Right. Because they're in the mood for a comedy. And they just start, and I thought, okay, nervous laughter? Ha, 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 ha. Sure. No, they think it's the funniest thing they've ever seen because they're in the mood to laugh. <laughs> so now corpses. they are laughing, and there's <laughs> blood, and just they're cutting this thing up. So scroll to uh, It Happens Again, but now she knows how to do it, so she's going to do it herself, right? Even worse, now she's laughing. Now because they're laughing, there's people in front of us laughing. They're just laughing the whole time that they're talking to each other. But, <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you, you psychos? But I'm guessing... <laughs> It's because they wanted to go to a comedy. Right. They didn't check what the movie was, and they go, and they're like, we've got to laugh at something. <laughs> and I feel like uh, that's bad. I feel like you glossed over the phone thing. Um, oh, we're getting back there. Okay. So the p- same people that answered the phone, um, their phone kept uh, flashing. Uh, they kept getting texts that they were looking at. So the whole time we're looking over it. But now it's like, what's the point? The movie sucks. Yeah. These people are going crazy. Then to top it all off, we're going for the trifecta in this one. The people that decide, oh, it's very, very quiet, quiet scene. We're looking, the characters, they're trying to act. Although it was apparently in this movie they can't, but they're right. trying their hardest. And we're just like, oh, hey, I'm going to open my nibs. And crackle, crackle, crackle. <laughs> trying to open this thing for like five minutes. And it's like, oh, I can't do it. And then it's like, honey, honey, can you try? Oh, okay, I'll try. Rip, 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 rip the whole time. <laughs> like, you know what? I, I give up. I'm like, what? why? Why? So, why? Uh, here's the thing. People... Treat it like their living room. Uh, so now you go to a lot of movies. I go to a lot of movies. And in fact, you know, I, I mean, I've been a professional film critic for almost 20 years now. So that's like a movie or two a week uh, over a period of several decades. It's And the stuff that you see is just insane. And it's been obviously like especially with the proliferation of devices and stuff. Oh. It's like it's gotten way worse. I saw I went to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, which we talked about a week or two mm-hmm. ago. Excellent movie. Um I saw a guy in the same row as me pulled out not one, but two cell phones. And I don't know what he was doing, but he was, like, sitting there scrolling through them for 10, 15 minutes. And eventually, like, I uh, I used to yell at people for stuff like that, and I don't anymore because I always feel like you end up looking like the jerk mm-hmm. and the disruptive one. Uh, and, th- and you know, then you feel weird for the rest of the movie, and then you kind of got to slink out before anybody makes any altercation in the lobby. But uh, – I, this time I turned around and I was sort of giving him the dirties. He was in the same row as me. 
And and then my wife was like, "Stop that! Stop looking! Stop looking at them!" Uh, just because he's she's like, not as confrontational. But, but he's as trying me. to ruin a good movie. Yeah, yeah. So, and here's the thing, though. Uh, you know, you can blame this a lot on younger people. The, this guy was not a younger person. He must have been like 45, 55. Like, so what? Why did he spend the money to go to the movie? Right, then? right, right. I uh, I've seen all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, I remember going to Avengers, the first one, and there was a kid with an iPad. Like the they brought they people bring in children hey, that are too small. I've seen that too. Yes. Actually, you know what? At the Dark Knight, uh, the last Dark Knight movie, I saw it at the IMAX in Regina, and I sat down in this movie with some friends, and we were waiting for the movie to start. And this dad comes in with three kids. The youngest was probably three years old, and he hands out devices to them. But then, thank God for the IMAX. The manager comes in and says, "Hey, you know, we're about to start the movie. Uh, just so you know, if you open any devices during this movie, like you're out." Uh, and so the dad quickly collected these things, and, and then I sat in a three-hour movie that even I'm like, eh, I, you know, I didn't love it, uh, with a, the two-year-old sitting next to me, and believe me, she did not love it. She was, like, sideways in her chair, like, falling over into my chair half the time, and, and I don't blame her. It's completely the parents' fault, but it's like, w- what are people thinking? So that is, um, actually, that would rank one of my top uh, movie peeves is parents who don't look at yeah. the movie that they're going to. So that midsummer movie. Right. Um sitting there and then all of a sudden this what, ten year old, twelve year old kid, not even, probably say ten years old, yeah. comes in with his mom and she doesn't know what movie they're going to because she never looked. And she's like, Oh, okay, let's go sit down. And he's like, It could be scary, Mom. Ooh, it's gonna be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Within what, the first Five minutes of the movie, there's already some horrible things happening that, like, nobody under the age of 18 should be I'm not seeing. I'm sure I was, um, should be seeing it. And yeah. that's the thing. And, like, I was worked up. And, yeah. like, and now you've brought your kid, but then she stays in the movie. Yeah, that's crazy. That would be the time you get up and you leave. Yeah. Well, remember even, uh, I think we saw this together, Toy Story? Mm-hmm. The screaming baby through the yeah, whole movie? the whole movie. Yeah, and fine. It's like, you know what? Don't bring your bloody baby to a movie. But... If you brought your baby to a movie and it's quiet, fine, I can't hear it, I don't care, out of sight, out of mind. If the baby gets worked up in the first five minutes of the movie, you're done. You're done. Like, get out. And halfway through, go take the baby out. I know. Wander around. Like, you've had experiences, too, where you complained and the theater was like, yeah, no, like, we we, can't do anything. We can't say anything. But they're being disruptive. You could kick out anybody else for being disruptive, right? Oh, because it's a baby, we can't say anything. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah, it's crazy. I uh, here's here's another pet peeve of mine is the talkers, which you sort of uh, uh, mentioned there. But uh, you know, there's I, when I went to Moonlight, which is a sometimes quiet, very beautiful movie. This happened to me at Solaris too. People like got I don't know if they're getting bored in the movie or what, but they just start talking. Like having a conversation in the middle of the movie. Uh, the one that does make me laugh sometimes, but it's still annoying, are the describers. So they describe <laughs> everything unfold. Oh, he's getting a he's getting a fax, Mildred. And I'm like, I know he's getting, getting a, a fax. fax. I'm right watching there the, the screen. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> oh. so um, combined, we probably see uh, well, what 200, 250 sure. some movies a year. And can you remember a time going to a movie and there was nothing disruptive? Well, like many, many moons ago. But, but like, like, say in the last few years, there has not been one time that I've been to a movie no. where somebody no, hasn't something, yeah. taken out their phone, somebody isn't talking. Somebody's... So we're all paying the same amount to go see this movie. And especially if you're going to, say, with your family, now you've got the popcorn, you've got the drinks, and say you get a babysitter, and you're spending 100 bucks, and you go there to have somebody 
answer the phone or the phone screen. And of course, she can't find it in her purse, right? Right. Got to find it. And it's cranked up to the max. Plus, the screen brightness is cranked to the max. Like, you know, you could turn that down. Yeah. So even if you quickly needed to check, oh, the babysitter's texting me, you could turn the brightness down. Nobody would really notice. Yeah. And in an age where theaters are under fire for like, uh, well, they're just, they're, they're not doing as well with home video and streaming and all this stuff. The theatrical experience is hugely important. And, uh, you know, they need to figure this thing out. I went to a theater in Vegas uh, when I saw, I think it was John Wick 2 with a buddy of mine that lives in Vegas. Cool. And we went into this theater and he was like, no, you're going to love this. It's kind of a VIP style theater. And he was like, there's no devices allowed. So four times before the movie started, this was communicated to us. So when you walk in, there's a poster. When the usher tears your ticket, he tells you. Then a uh, then there was a trailer at the beginning of the movie that looked like it was about to be a trailer for, I think it was Beauty and the Beast. And it was like a special sneak preview of Beauty and the Beast. And I was like, I don't want to see 10 minutes of Beauty and the Beast. But it was a it was a gimmick. Nice. So 10 seconds in, the, a phone rings and then Beast freaks out. And it's like, don't take your phone out or we kick you out. Then an usher comes in right before the movie starts and says, by the way, like, we'll kick you out. And uh, my buddy was telling me, like... They do it. He said he saw a mom get kicked out once, and she's like, oh, my kids are in here somewhere, and they're like, we don't care. Get out. He says he'll pretend to go to the bathroom and narc on people when they pull out their phones. So, but that's like, to me, I, I love that. I would, lo- I would welcome the disruption of someone getting yes. thrown out. Because then it's like you've lost your money. You're not getting a refund. And what did you learn from this? It's common courtesy. Can we not just go to a movie and just yeah. enjoy it? Let's just do that. And I feel like we're all uh, upset now. We should go. We should go figure out how to breathe. Somewhere. Oh boy, I'm so. All right. Well, back back to uh, back to you, Jody. All right. Thank you, Craig. Um, I'm sorry that you had some bad experiences at the movie theater. It happens. It's happened to all of us. But uh, hopefully, things will improve um, because of your public service announcement. Okay, so we have just a little bit of time, and I want to talk about a couple of comics that came out this week. Uh, First, we're going to talk about um, The White Trees. It's a black sand tale. It's a one of two, and it's written by Chip Zdarsky. And when I first started reading it, I was kind of like, eh, this sort of seems typical. Like, there's a guy, and he's a farmer, and he used to be a big bad soldier, but he's all retired, and now the king wants him to go on a journey, blah, 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 because his kid's been kidnapped. But. It turns out that his kid is like estranged and has hooked up with another super soldier that they don't really get along too much no more. Um, And they've been living together in this little cottage and then this bad army has like taken them, supposedly, maybe. So they're going to go and investigate it. And it's like way better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, I actually am pretty impressed. I really like Chip Zdarsky. He's a really good writer. Um, Hank, you've read his stuff, right? One of my favorites, yes. That's why I'm very excited about this. Yeah, so... Um, I I put that on the recommend list for sure. You want to check that one out. The other book that I want to talk about is Once and Future. And the internet is lighting up over this because apparently the rumor is that this is going to be the next like Game of Thrones thing on HBO. That they're going to like make this into some kind of TV show slash movie. Um, It's Karen Gillan uh, wrote it and Dan Mora does the art. Um, Karen Gillan has had like huge success over the last couple of years. Die came out this year and it's really great if you like uh, D&D fantasy type stuff. And also of course Wicked and Divine, which is just about to wrap and is also a really tremendous mm, awesome. comic. Um, and this one is sort of like action adventure fantasy, but throw in uh, a little dash of a stop or my mom will shoot you. 
So nice. um, I, like, I like that. There you so go. That's a Scabber good description. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, they found the scabbard of Excalibur and it has all these powers and it's falling into the wrong hands. And this like dude and his grandma who like runs away from her old folks home because she used to like fight like supernatural stuff. He doesn't know this, of course. Um, she finds out that this has happened and she's going to set things right with his help so i think it's going to be tremendous so definitely um if you can get a copy get it it is sold out everywhere but if you can get your hands on a copy you should because it's great and that wraps things up for another week on